Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is titled Healing from Radicalized Christianity and Religious Trauma. Now, this is a big topic to try to address in one podcast, but, and no doubt we will continue to revisit this often because it is something that all of us who are recovering from religious trauma and are looking for a spirituality outside of organized religion, this is always something that we need to revisit to ensure that we have completely deconstructed our beliefs from what we had experienced inside of organized religion. So when I teach about religious trauma, the comments are often overwhelming. And some of the stories that people share often border the outlandish and of and even the outrageous. But I've heard them my entire life. And not only have I heard them my entire life, I have experienced them my entire life. People can do the most horrific things in the name of religion. And this has certainly been going on for centuries long before I was born. And sometimes people will try to rationalize it to say it's not so bad. It's certainly not the Uh, the things that were happening, the atrocities that were happening during uh, the times like the Crusades. And if you don't know a lot about the Crusades, I'll put a couple of links in the show notes so that you can read about it. And friends, I'm going to press pause here for just a minute and talk about something that inevitably happens when I'm talking about radicalized Christianity or religious trauma. Because I often get people who will say, well, why are you talking about all of the entirety of Christianity. When I say, even in the middle of when I'm teaching, I'll say, this is not all of religion. This is not all of churches. I know this. My followers know this. But inevitably, even when I place this asterisk here and I say, like, you know, we're not painting this broad brushstroke, I'll hear someone who will say, who who will get very defensive and come back and say, no, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm painting Christianity with a broad brushstroke. Am I? Or is that what you choose to hear? So when I share other stories of uh, spiritual abuse at the hands of someone who represents Christianity, it isn't to dismiss the entirety of Christianity, but it is to shine light where others, including the people who now criticizing me for shining the light, refuse to do it. And I've seen this before. I, I saw it happen at the beginning of when I started doing research to open a spay-neuter clinic because, not to get too sideways here, but spay-neuter is the option. It's one of the most critical elements to address pet overpopulation. And people got very defensive about that because if you are entrenched in adoption and rescue, you don't want to hear that there's another element of a program that you need to be implementing to address the problem. And I would hear people get very defensive about that. So it's it's almost like, okay, I'm seeing some similarities here when we're, when we're 
calling out a problem, we should be willing to look at what people are telling you is the problem instead of just backing up and becoming defensive and saying, well, it's not the entirety. So I'm going to continue to speak my truth to help those who have been hurt by Christianity, but you keep believing that I'm speaking about you. That just means that you are missing the point entirely. I see it as a deflection. I see it as a ruse, an attempt to control an uncomfortable narrative and an uncomfortable truth. But here's where I draw the line, and this is one that I'm not willing to acquiesce to make you feel comfortable anymore about these topics, because if I soften my language, then I am, there. it's at the risk of those who have been hurt by organized religion, and I refuse to do that. So let me ask those of you who want me to soften my language to make sure that no one here thinks I'm talking about the entirety of Christianity or that I'm anti-Christian, because by the way, I am not anti-Christian. I embrace and I love my Christian heritage. I still call myself a Christian because my path to spirituality is my Christian heritage, and I still anchor my spiritual path on my Christian spirituality. Now, there's plenty of people who say, no, no, you're not a... Uh, a Christian, I've stopped listening to them because don't forget there's over 30,000 Christian denominations worldwide. Not one denomination, not one person is the spokesperson, the rule keeper of this religion. So just stop with that nonsense. It's kind of ridiculous. But back to my question, to those who continually say, well, what about all the good that has been done in the name of Christianity. First of all, I agree with you that there has been good, but if you continue to say, when I bring up something about religious trauma and and people come forth to talk about their religious trauma, your response being what, let's talk about the good that has been done in the name of Christianity. Why aren't you talking about the fact that people are hurting? I want to ask you, how is that working for you? How is that working for the people in your life who have been hurt by religion? How does it help people heal from religious trauma? How is it helping heal the entirety of Christianity? Just not your little bubble of that that you don't think is has any responsibility for this kind of behavior inside Christianity. How is it helping a nation heal after the January 6th insurrection that almost succeeded in its attempted coup when we saw so many Jesus flags and so many people praying in the name of Jesus, even on the Senate floor, as if their actions to attack our nation's capital were done in the name of Jesus? Because here's my answer to those questions. It isn't working. It doesn't help people heal from religious trauma. It's like someone coming to you about their abusive spouse and you're telling them that the abuser is a really good person, as if they should just ignore the abuse because on the outside, what the world is seeing is that this person is a really good person and they've done good in the world. It isn't helping heal the entirety of Christianity because let's not forget those numbers, folks those numbers that are related to how many people are leaving Christianity year after year. There is a book that's one of the first ones I read when I uh, left when I left church, and that is called um, Christianity Must Change 
or die. And I, for the longest time, I had a hard time bringing myself to even say the title of that book. I read it, but I hid it. I didn't keep it on my desk. I just kept it hidden because it, it something that is part of who you are and your religious heritage and the beliefs that you embrace, to hear somebody talk about your religion needing to change or die was even, even though you had been hurt by that religion, that was almost too hard for me to fathom. Now that book focused on the on religion's static existence that does not meet humanity where it is. And what that means is over time, humanity, it continues to change. There's contextual and historical aspects of our of our faith that should change as humanity change changes and Christianity has become very static. And here's the statistics that once again, I keep repeating and I'll put in the show notes that tell us that even though we don't want to admit it, admit it if we look at these statistics and we look at this downward trend, Christianity is dying. Now, I'm speaking primarily here in America where we know that, and I keep repeating this, like I said, that the fastest growing group of people here in America are the spiritual but not religious. The vast majority of them who identify as spiritual but not religious are migrating away from Christianity. Now, you might be able to see uh, some some moderate growth in what they call the modern church. But that's not the primary growth in those in in those churches are coming from people who are laterally moving from other denominations. It's not people out there on a spiritual path or looking uh, outside of their their own religious heritage moving into the Christian faith. Um, and I believe, like many of the other scholars believe, that that will also be a falling away because a lot of times inside that modern church movement is still uh, people who are anti-LGBTQIA humans. In other words, they think being gay is a sin. They will not marry them. They will not baptize them. They're welcoming, welcoming them into church, but they're not going to actually include them into fellowship unless they're willing to admit their humanity to turn away from, to deny their humanity is what they're requiring of them to do so. So there's a lot of things that are inside the modern church that will finally start to lead to a falling away when people realize that it's just a repackaged type of theology that doesn't really serve the, where humanity is right now. But this falling away has nothing to do with people not not being hungry for some kind of spiritual discernment, spiritual growth, spiritual connection, spiritual wisdom. In other words, people are looking for divine connection, but they are making a choice to do that outside of organized religion. So the final question I have for people who keep wanting to come at me, their only response when we we start talking about religious trauma or radicalized Christianity is to say, well, it's not all, it's not the entirety of Christianity. This final question is so important. How is this helping our nation heal after the radicalized Christians who took part in that insurrection? So we know that I've shared that couple of videos where we see pastors who are still using their pulpit to incite fury, to incite their anger, 
with their congregants. So there's a lot still happening here in the name of Christianity that's leading to a lot of people experiencing religious trauma. Because here's the truth. The people who need me to stop and acknowledge all the good that is being done, if your good had been doing all the good it should or could be, I would not be, I would not be doing this. You would not see the people starting to follow me because they recognize in my words something that resonates with them. In some ways, the antics of radicalized groups like the Westboro Baptist Church, and I'll put in my show notes something about them in case you don't you have never read about them, but they've been around for a number of years and they are absolutely a fanatical radical group that represents Christianity. And that's almost a deflection because thank goodness that's not you. Thank goodness that's not your Christian church. And you can almost bring a comfort level that, that leads to complacency. So yes, of course, you're not going to change the mind of a church like that that's so radicalized. But what's happened is that we want to distance ourselves and give ourselves airspace away from places like the Westboro Baptist Church. But what's happening is right under our noses, the radicalization was happening in mainstream Christianity. And we didn't just come to this re- realization in, 19, in 2019 and 2020 and now 2021. This has been happening for a long time, and we refused to look at it. We knew it's been here. We know that white supremacy has been linked to Christianity since the founding of this country. We know that there's a large swath of anti-Semitism inside Christianity, and it's been here a long time. We know that racism still exists in a large swath of Christianity, and it's been here a long time. More could have been done. That is the responsibility of all of Christianity. We cannot keep saying that, oh, but all the good that it's done when people have been oppressed, people have been judged, people have been dehumanized, and now the radicalization has led to an insurrection in our country. It was right here all all along, hiding in plain sight. We didn't do enough. So we cannot let all the good that has been done in the name of Christianity deflect us from looking at what needs to be fixed. If not, I do. I am afraid that Christianity will continue to be on a downward spiral. Because there, that was important. I know that was a big detour, but it's also important for those of you who are experiencing religious trauma, or you're on a road, or you're on a path to try to heal from it. My friends, you are seen and you are loved. And so I pause at these moments so that when you share your story and you see somebody try to minimize the, the, the pain that you're carrying, the hurt that you're carrying, because you remember what that felt like to be rejected simply because of who you were. I mean, I've got stories in my comment sections of people who were told that they have the devil in them because they, they wrote with their left hand or their hair was red. This is happening in our lifetime, these ridiculous things said in the name of religion. And this will no longer distract me from taking care of the people who are coming forth because I am 
reaching them because I see their pain. So I will no longer take my eyes off of those who've been hurt by Christianity. I will no longer take my eyes off of those who've been hurt by Christianity to tend to those who are offended that I'm tending to those who have been hurt by Christianity. I hope you heard that. I'll say it again. I will no longer take my eyes off of those who've been hurt by Christianity to tend to those who are offended that I'm tending to those who have been hurt by Christianity. Okay, so like I said, that was a detour. But if you've been following me, you know that we have been talking about the radicalization of Christianity and in particular, the history of Christianity in episode 19. So you'll want to go back and and if you haven't uh, listened to that podcast, please, please do so. And then in episode 22, I discuss what you can do to educate yourself further and ensure that your spiritual community is doing what it needs to do to push back on radicalized Christianity. But today we're going to discuss recovering from radicalized Christianity and religious trauma, because that's an element of recovering from this cult-like indoctrination. And this can mean that you need an additional layer of care to deconstruct from its impact on you. And I have to be honest, I'm always surprised at how many people are caught off guard by the labels of spiritual abuse, religious trauma, spiritual bypassing, spiritual gaslighting, because they have, they're still seeing what their experiences through the filter of their belief system and their belief system did not acknowledge any kind of religious trauma. Those That language was not there. So you're trying to figure out those experiences through your normative spiritual experience from religion and you're not finding the words. Now all of a sudden you're coming up and you're finding those words. You know that you, you've been hurt. You know that hurt is valid, but you did not know that there were labels to it. And I'm glad that we're finding each other because I was the same way. I didn't know that we had words, but when I left evangelical Christianity, I was hurt and I was exhausted after years of manipulation, gaslighting, and constantly being accused that something was wrong with me because I couldn't keep God in this box of my religious heritage. But even though I could no longer be a part of this belief system, it didn't mean that that belief system didn't have control over me. It still did in some way. So... Like I said earlier, this is part of what we see happening across the church, especially here in America. So we want to figure out ways to help you start to reclaim your life and end this heartbreaking cycle of how this trauma keeps showing up and how you're filtering your your now your life experiences still by holding on to that system. And I don't want you to give up on a relationship with God. And that's what compelled me forward to study and confirm that which I intuitively knew. Number one, religion never owned God. God is big enough to share, and religion's primary role should be to nurture one's soul, not not to manipulate it to perpetuate um, the existence of the religious institution. If I had not had that calling to move forward with my education and my experience, I'm not sure what would have happened with my relationship with God. 
And I see this happening time and again. So once you once you spiral out of organized religion, you're still you're still filtering that belief system through your religious heritage. So a lot of people think that they just lost their conduit conduit to God. So what they end up doing is just the spiritual wilderness becomes void of any kind of spiritual enrichment, spiritual nurturing, spiritual experiences, and people start to give up on God. And I know we have this gap. And when I started to do this studying, I realized how close I was into going, navigating down that road myself. And so I, I knew my calling was to reach people in that gap before they gave up. And even though I, that it was all intuitive, it was all a calling on my heart, this growth that we're seeing with people coming to us with their stories affirms what I intuitively was being told as my calling. So like I keep saying though, I'm, I still have no idea, had no idea about the impact until everything started to grow with the ground spell, swell of people who are willing to share their stories. And I'm so honored to be a part of that. But I'm going to hit back pretty hard here when we talk about people who hold fast to this, um, this pro-life mantra, and I'm, we're, this is not going to become a debate about pro-life versus pro-choice or anything like that, but what I want to invite you to consider, for those of you who are healing from religious trauma and still very fragile in that experience, pro-life means to me that you would understand the importance of accepting and nurturing and caring for all life, not just lives that fit your religious rule book. So I no longer call the radicalized pro-life. They don't deserve that term. The ones who are working for social justice and equity, those who are working to heal the damage that's been done at the hands of Christianity, those who do not reject, condemn, persecute, dehumanize people because of the color of their skin, where they were born, their gender or sexual identity, their beliefs, those humans are pro-life. The Christian who is worried about the unborn is pro-birth. There is a big difference. I would love to see more Christians move into a pro-life movement that includes not only the care of the unborn, but also humans who are hurting. That's where I think we're missing a big part of our caring for the world as Jesus cared for the world. So let's talk about that path to healing. There is a book, and I'm going to be honest, I have not finished all of this, but I've heard people tell me about this book. And I know a lot about the organization that put this out, but the book is called Leaving the Fold, Recovering from Religion. And I think that's a good place to start because I think that it's important for you to see, to be affirmed that you are not alone. There are people out there who have done this. And some people who actually return to find a spiritual community inside church, but also people who are enriched by staying on a spiritual but not religious path. So that's a really good place to start. Of course, staying here with our community that we continue to grow. We now have started a Sunday morning uh live gathering on Instagram. It's at 1030 Eastern Standard Time called The Sacred Space. Please join us there because we'll continue to grow that. Um, we're doing lives now on TikTok and that will continue to grow. We're going to start question and answers on our YouTube channel. So there's ways that we're going to be able to connect with each other. So because spiritual communities that are online are just as sacred and valid. So don't don't dismiss what's happening here. 
And in other realms as well, there's some wonderful people out there doing good work in the name of helping people heal from religious trauma. So that brings me to one point that I do want to make sure that I get out. A lot of times people who have experienced religious trauma are prone to trauma because they have some kind of experience in their life that caused them trauma. So... Okay, I'm just going to pause here and remind you in our makeshift studios during uh, podcasting in the time of Corona. First of all, now I've I've gained a dog. So if you're hearing anything, that's one of the things that's happening here. And also a, a grandson who was looking for a charger. But we're doing our best here. So I hope you can hear everything okay. But what I was saying is if you are, if you have experienced some kind of trauma in your life, you are more apt to be vulnerable to religious trauma, especially if you have not worked through some of that trauma. So I would encourage you, if therapy is part of your resources, please do so. And that can be in the form of a licensed therapist, a spiritual counselor, and I'm not talking about someone who's just gone to Bible college and now thinks that they're uh, uh, able to provide spiritual care at the level that people who have experienced religious trauma, that is not a valid path that I would consider, uh, I would caution you on that you want to make sure that you find somebody who understands what spiritual care means. Because one of the major things that you want to make sure you're, you're doing is that you are deconstructing from some of your beliefs. And that can, that's a journey. And that can take time. And that's where you start to also find your spiritual community when you realize what it is about your past religious heritage that no longer serves your highest good, the things that you are rejecting because of the pain that it brought you. So that also means that you're going to end up in some spiritual wilderness time. And my friends, we don't have time to go into that today, but I am going to be doing an episode on that very soon about the sacredness of the spiritual wilderness and why it's so important that we understand that that is an individual journey. So many of us look to religion to almost give us the step-by-step guide on what we we should do. And religion often wants us to do it that way so that we end up relying on the words coming from the pulpit versus what we are hearing inside. So finding that that space where you can be assured that the spiritual wilderness is something that can actually help you grow spiritually and heal emotionally and uh, psychologically as well. A couple of books that I always throw out as the two that I think are important when you're doing this is um, Love Wins by Rob Bell. It's a wonderful book that was, he was a former mega pastor. And um, of course, he's also seen as controversial, but he's holding the space for people who are on this spiritual but not religious path. And he understands that religious trauma is real. The other one that I love is Resurrecting Jesus by Adya Shanti. Both of these books I'll put in the show notes so that you know what we're talking about here. The other thing I want to remind you is that you continue to work through this knowing that there are no rules, beloved. There is no time frame. You need to take the time here. But do this, you can do this in the privacy of your own home. And because that's where the sacred begins. If we start to create sacredness in our home, then we understand that that's the reason that we're now on this path. So I encourage you to maybe set up an altar that that record that you are able to bring in 
uh, relics from your faith journey, things that still resonate with you deeply. One thing that I did was gather hymnals from times in my childhood with with books, when some of the hymns from my childhood still resonated with me. And I wanted to reconnect them through, connect with them in a time where I'm in, in a different place now versus when I was indoctrinated into the religion. And that helped so much. I also encourage you to um, write letters that you will never send, letters to former uh, church members that may have hurt you, pastors that may have hurt you, church leaders that may have hurt you, any of those things to help you document and start to process it, where you have to slow down and think about the experience so it's something that you can that's definable and something that you can hold on to. And I also want to remind you, my friends, that this is a journey. It is not static. It will not happen overnight. I've been, I left evangelical Christianity about eight years ago, and I'm still discovering things about myself and so grateful that I am on this journey. And like I said, I'm comfortable now where I was. Don't let people tell you, oh, you just didn't find the right church. That's ridiculous. For me, I did try several different churches after I left evangelical Christianity, but I knew I was being called out to experience God in a way that was that was beyond my Christian heritage. And that's why I became an interfaith, interspiritual minister, so that I could understand that and hold that space for people who are on this spiritual but not religious journey. So yes, you very well could end up back at church, but that's not the end, end goal. The end goal is for you to know beyond the shadow of doubt what your spiritual journey is. And I think it's capable for all of us, but just know it will take time and give yourself that time and know that everybody's healing journey is different. And I see you and I love you and your pain is valid, but more importantly, you're healing. You are worth healing. You are worth the time and the investment it will take in your healing journey to get you back into a place where hope and love live in your heart. I truly, truly believe that. And so it is, and amen. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray that you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love, and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you. You are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on this week, and I shall see you soon. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. To have your question featured on an episode, email us at spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. And as always, follow at RevCarla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.